What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Engage It Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my two co-hosts, Josh and Mike. I've been a little inconsistent showing up lately, so appreciate these two for holding it down while I've been gone. I should be good for a little while. Uh, no more vacations, no more traveling. So we get to cover the offseason, the rest of the NFL season. But today, we're going to be talking about the wild card weekend. It was kind of, for the most part, it was a little lackluster, but we'll get into that later. Before we get into that, I uh, just want to urge you guys to like and subscribe to the uh, to the channel. We would really appreciate it. Uh, we also have our Spotify and TikTok links down below if you prefer different forms of content. We've also got our socials in the description as well. Uh, now that that's out of the way, Josh, you want to get us started with some Browns and Texans? I can. Browns at Texans, the start of what was a blowout filled weekend for the most part. Uh, Joe Flacco finally came back to earth. Uh, he had a tough game, threw a couple picks, including a pick six that just absolutely back broke this team, man. You hate to see it. Um, but it, as much as Joe Flacco did not play well this game, this Browns loss is because of their defense. Their defense just could not show up at all this game. From the start, C.J. Stroud was dicing him up. He finishes with just under 300 passing yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. The way he's been playing all season, uh, I think he's no question a top 10 quarterback in this league. Um, Browns defense on the road has been a problem for them this season. They've been far and away the best defense at home. The road, they have been a little bit shaky in that came back to bite him in this game. And Joku, who's been so good for them over the past month or two months, had a good game, but had a few drops as well early on. Uh, that was a problem for him. The Texans, they just go every game. They play their game, and they don't let anybody let them get away from that play style. They're going to take chances. They're going to take shots when you don't expect them to take shots. And if they could play that play style and get the separation from their guys like Nico Collins, they're going to be in a good spot to win a lot of games. Um, the Browns gave up four sacks, a lot of pressures on Flacco, put him in a spot where he really couldn't succeed this game. Uh, you hate to see it. We, we all wanted to see the Flacco uh, Ravens revenge game next week. Now we have Texans Ravens. And as good as this Ravens team is, I don't think you can count out Houston. That's definitely a bold take. Um, <clears throat> I definitely don't disagree with it, but to focus on the game we just saw, uh, CJ Stroud, I feel like he's just getting better and better as the lights get brighter and brighter. First ever playoff game, he threw for over 230 yards in the first half. He has just been phenomenal the last two games in games where they just, you cannot lose, you have to win. Getting into the playoffs and then in the playoffs, sorry to open up old wounds, Mike, but Stroud's been great. Uh, Nico Collins, he's been here all year, but uh, Stroud's also been without Noah Brown and Tank Dell sparingly the last few weeks. Tank Dell, because he was on our IR, Noah Brown, he just got thrown on IR, if I'm not mistaken. So that's really just letting Nico Collins kind of shine, get some really important reps, and he's proven everybody wrong right now. On the Cleveland side, like you said, Josh, it's um, it's a lot of the defense that just kind of let them down. Miles Garrett and Jade not Jadavion Clowney, uh, Zadarius Smith, who really just couldn't get to Stroud in time. Uh, Stroud was just getting rid of the ball really quick, and the run game was was working really well as well. Singletary was uh, – he didn't get a lot of carries, but on his uh, select few carries, he was, he was effective. So the Texans kept moving the ball. Browns couldn't get off the field, and their offense just couldn't really stay on the field. Cleveland, I mean, those injuries kind of caught up to him. Uh, no solidified run game without Nick Chubb. They haven't had that all year, but it's uh, it's been unfortunate for them. They were fighting an uphill battle from the beginning of the season. Uh, but like you said, Josh, they made it really interesting with the Joe Flacco storyline and David Njoku surging into possibly maybe a top six or seven tight end of the league, maybe solidifying himself in that spot, especially this year. But Amari Cooper, you got to hope that he shows up a little bit brighter in these moments, uh, especially as team's number one weapon, number one wide receiver. And... Yeah, I mean, Texans got a tough one next week against Baltimore, but Cleveland, you just gotta you gotta get healthy in the offseason and just see where that takes you. Yeah, CJ Stroud just continues to be a, a special rookie quarterback. I came on here on the preview for this week and I talked about how in the past ten years, rookie quarterbacks one in five in their first playoff start, fifty-five percent of their passes, uh forty-two interceptions compared to only thirty-three touchdowns. And CJ Stroud just couldn't I don't know if he really couldn't have played better 274 yards three touchdowns no picks he was phenomenal um he just doesn't look like a rookie quarterback he's so calm in the pocket um just has such a good arm 
had 236 yards and three touchdowns at halftime. They had a 24 to 14 lead. Um, Nico Collins continues to just be phenomenal. He's really kind of come out of nowhere, in my opinion. I watched him in college a lot, considering he played in the Big Ten, and I really didn't think he was anything special. And now you watch him in the NFL, and he just he looks special. He can track the ball very well. Um, he's powerful. He had six catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Like you said, Zach Devin, Singletary, 66 yards rushing. He was solid. Uh, Browns defense just – they picked a bad day to have a very bad day. They had really no answers. Uh, and on the offensive side of the ball, they had no answers, especially in the second half. Uh, they gave up four sacks and seven QB hits. Texans defense, their offensive line really struggled. And the turnover issues that Flacco's kind of had, but he's been able to – kind of negate him with just such uh, being able to score all the time. They really came back to haunt him in this one. Back-to-back pick sixes, 82 yards from Steven Nelson, pick six, uh, 36-yard pick six from Christian Harris, who also had a sack late in the game. Texans are the first team to return two interceptions for touchdowns in a playoff game since Seattle did it in 2008. Um, Their defense really helped them, especially in the second half, just win this game. Stroud didn't have to do much in the second half. And the Browns offense, like I said, just had no answers. Uh, when they played in the regular season, Amari Cooper was phenomenal, had the best regular season game of a receiver, I think, all year. Had 265 receiving yards. Uh, this one, he only had 59 yards on four catches. So just what a win from the Texans here. Um, the previously highest drafted QB to win a postseason game was Mark Sanchez, the fifth overall pick in 2009. So uh, top pick, finally able to win a playoff game, C.J. Stroud. And... Uh, just what a win and a disappointing end to the Brown season. Moving on here to Dolphins at Chiefs. This game was as cold as advertised. Looked like all the players were vaping during this game the whole time. Um, just could see everybody's breath. Uh, and it was just insane to watch, to be honest. Um, the Miami offense was stalled this entire game. That's partly due to the fact that they can't play in cold weather. They're just not built for that. And this KC pass defense is just really, really good. The KC defense was able to shut down the run for Miami, which opened up everything for them. If you force Miami to pass against you, a lot of teams will not be able to handle that. This KC defense is one team that definitely can handle that. Uh, They were able to, Kansas City was able to run their offense all over this banged up uh, Dolphins defense. Uh, They looked good for the first time in kind of a long time, especially in this cold game uh, for the Chiefs. I was impressed by them. Uh, but it's the playoffs. It's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Travis Kelsey. They're going to show up, uh, and now they're going to play a road game next week. Uh, Tua was flustered all game, it seemed. He just never looked like he had it going. There's going to be a lot of question marks in the offseason whether Tua's the guy. I still think you have to ride with Tua. I mean, he hasn't been bad. He's been really good at home. Um, maybe it's a product of him just having an uber-talented offense, but at the same time, he's good enough, and I don't think going for another QB is a smart decision at this point for Miami. Uh, the problem for Miami, uh, first of all, I'll just say if they didn't have that big Tyreek touchdown uh, in the first half, they would have gotten shut out this game. Um, that was an insane touchdown by Tyreek. He's a freak. He had one of the best seasons of any player this year, and he's an MVP candidate, and Tyreek is just phenomenal. Uh, but if they didn't have that, they would have lost this game 20, what was it, 23-7 or 26-7? They would have lost 26-0. Um the thing for Miami is you had the opportunity. You want to go out there and be like, yeah, it sucks for Miami. They can't play in the cold. They're built for a warm, warm climate or a dome climate. And if this game is played in Miami or wherever in an indoor stadium, maybe they win this game. But then you go and you look at week 18. Miami had every opportunity to make sure that this game was at home. And they weren't able to do that. They weren't able to beat the Bills. And therefore, if you can't win that game when you need to, and you let your division rival come all the way from six and six or six and seven to winning the division and taking that from you, you can't really feel bad for them in that sense. So um, it sucks for Miami that they had to play in the cold weather and that they didn't get to run their offense, but they controlled their own destiny. Uh, They put themselves in a bad spot with how they finished the regular season, and it bit them in the ass when they got to the playoffs. Yeah, kind of to that point about uh, Miami and Buffalo kind of fighting for the division, uh, I think it was – end or no – we're going to fast forward a little bit to the end of the Steelers bills game. I believe the person interviewing Josh Allen uh, told him you had like a 5% chance to win the division uh, heading into week 14 or 15. So that's just a Miami had the division basically in the bag. Buffalo got really hot and they just, they lost a couple games that they should have won. 
uh, the Titans game. They had a lot of opportunities to put away that Buffalo game in week 18, like you've mentioned. Both but, home games, though. Right, exactly. But it's just unfortunate to see Miami's, Miami kind of fall apart in back-to-back Decembers. But like you said, I think Tua is still your guy. Uh, you win 11 games with a guy, and he's, I believe he was top two or top three, maybe even number one in passing yards this year. He was still incredibly efficient. He can hit the intermediate, uh, deep to intermediate, deep to intermediate part of the field extremely well, extremely efficiently. He's not super high in the interception totals. He does have interception spikes in like spurts, which is a little unfortunate, but every quarterback can improve as time goes on. It's just nobody's perfect. He's going to make mistakes. Uh, and if you keep guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle around him, he can definitely still produce. And I think he will continue to produce. Uh, I don't see the issue with, or not the, I don't see why you'd move off of him. I think it's just a little bit of the overreaction uh, stage of everything. But I I tweeted this about Legereus Sneed. Josh, I think you'll get a kick out of this. Legereus Sneed is who the media tries to hype up Sauce Gardner to be. Legereus Sneed is so talented in terms of just his press coverage. Sure, I may be alluding to that one clip where he just absolutely bodied Tyreek Hill to Cancun, according to Tyreek Hill. Uh, and he he was just playing phenomenal all season, and especially in this game where it mattered most. He shut down the Dolphins' best weapon in the brightest stage, and I have nothing but props for him. He's been phenomenal all year. He deserves his flowers. And Josh, you mentioned, I think, back in like week 14 or 15, you can, you can always bank on the... Uh, Reed, Mahomes, Kelsey, everybody within that organization of Kansas City to get it done in the postseason. I think you were partially right. I think another part of it is Miami just being physically unable to play in anything close to zero degrees, let alone negative 25. But this game was it was kind of gross for the most part. Kansas City came out early with that Rasheed Rice touchdown. They scored within the first five minutes of the game. It felt like it was over right then and there because Miami just could not move the ball at all they went away from the run game kansas city's uh their youngest defense in the league ended up just shutting them down and it was impressive so kansas city they got it like you said josh a really tough one in buffalo next week and this is going to be the first road kansas city playoff game that we have seen in the last four or five years since Mahomes has become the starter so i'm really interested to see how they respond especially after buffalo came into kansas city earlier this year and beat them there Mm-hmm. This was the this game was the Chiefs' fifteenth consecutive home playoff game. Uh, it's obviously very cold. I don't know if you guys heard that on the broadcast. Negative four degrees at kickoff. Um, it was a record at Arrowhead Stadium for the coldest game. Twenty five mile per hour winds. It was a negative twenty seven degree wind chill. Um, we experienced that well where we are uh, very cold. If you couldn't tell, um, but. The Chiefs offense was able to still be very solid in this game. Rasheed Rice continues to emerge as kind of the guy with Patrick Mahomes. He's uh seems to be past Travis Kelsey and is the number one weapon at this point. Eight catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. He was great. Um Mahomes, again, he was in the playoffs, 262 yards. He just shows out in the playoffs. He's a different player. He broke his helmet. Uh was able to stay in the game with a broken helmet. Um I think he has a 35 to seven touchdown to interception ratio in just the playoffs, which is simply incredible. I know Josh, you've been saying it uh, last couple of weeks that you never want to bet against the chiefs in the playoffs. And they really showed that again in this game, uh, Isaiah Pacheco, he was great in the cold weather, as you could kind of predict with his running style, 89 yards and a touchdown Chiefs scored on four of their first six drives in the first half. They looked like the chiefs we've seen of old offensively um, and the dolphins really just, didn't have much going on. Chiefs defense did what they did in the Germany game. They shut down Miami's offense. Dolphins had 264 total yards to a 20 of 39 with only 199 yards passing. Uh, Dolphins went 1-12 and on third down. So this Dolphins team, when they're playing these good teams, uh, their offense just struggles to show up. They can beat up on the bad teams, but they have to find a way next season to consistently be able to put up good numbers against these top defenses. Dolphins haven't won at Arrowhead since 2011, and they haven't won a playoff game now since December 30th of 2000, which I will talk about soon. Is what? Um, no, say it. Say it. Is now the, the longest playoff drought yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. So, uh, it's pain in Miami. Yeah. Um. Just we're gonna talk about the Bills here in a bit. We're gonna talk about that Chiefs Bills game uh, later this week on the next pod. Uh. But from what I've seen, 
uh, in the first week of the playoffs, I think whoever dominates the line of scrimmage in that game is going to come out victorious. But moving on here to the first Sunday game, Packers and Cowboys. Um, this is a uh, it's funny to watch how karma works sometimes. And as they say in the business, uh, ball don't lie. The Packers jumped all over the Cowboys early. Jordan Love, he's been amazing recently. He was amazing uh, on Sunday afternoon. Dominated this Cowboys uh, defense who had been playing really, really well all season, especially at home. And to say the least, they did not play well on Sunday. Aaron Jones, like you've been saying, Zach, he's been dominant. He was really, really good in this game. Uh, against the Cowboys they could not stop him they couldn't tackle him he's been great since coming off that injury uh, that kept him out for a lot of the season Dak threw a pick six I couldn't remember when I was preparing for this podcast who it was between Flacco and Dak that threw two for some reason I just in my head thought that they both threw two pick sixes Uh, but Dak only threw one it was uh, did, almost two. Jair was ruled down yeah but I yeah mean. that's probably why I recall it as two but um, yeah he threw two picks Almost two pick sixes, like you just said. Uh, and now begs the question, we're probably going to have, or at least we probably should have the top two teams in the AFC, or the NFC East without head coaches. Uh, we got guys like Belichick out there who he already interviewed for Atlanta. I assume he's going to interview for both of these jobs if they open up. I think at this point, though, although the Cowboys lost bigger and they lost at home in the playoffs, I still think that Sirianni deserves to be fired more. I understand keeping Mike McCarthy. I don't understand keeping Sirianni at all. Um, but we'll get we'll get to him later. But for this game, the Packers are just rolling right now. They're in a good spot. Uh, the unfortunate thing for them is they're running into the team that they just cannot beat in the playoffs. Uh, Shanahan has owned Lafleur in the playoffs their entire career so far. Uh, they're longtime friends. They were both on that. Uh, iconic Washington Redskins coaching staff uh, where there was what Shanahan, him, McVay. There was one more. Was it, was McDaniel on there too? I think he was. He was yeah. Like, Bobby Slowick. Yeah. Right. It's a talented group. They had <laughs> never won anything, but talented group they had. Uh, so we're going to see that revenge game and uh, maybe the Packers can finally get over that hump. Yeah. This game was disappointing from my uh, perspective. Jordan love. He was great. Uh, I have my, I have my doubts about him, but in this game, he made very little mistakes. I'm still not on board with him being like a special quarterback, but he has made multiple special plays, especially that touchdown throw to Wicks uh, just, just outside the red zone or maybe just inside the red zone on the first and goal from 10 plus yards out. It was, that was a beautiful throw. I really can't say anything else about it, but like, it feels like on every other throw, someone is open. Like, and it's crazy enough that it's against the Dallas defense who has been dominant in so many different games this year. It just felt like they couldn't get pressure on Jordan Love. And even when they did, he just made plays. So that's definitely a a scary sight for me as a Bears fan uh, looking to the future of the NFC North. But Dallas, how do you get outcoached this bad? You are in Jerry World, a place where you have been very good the entire year, offensively and defensively. And you just come out flat, down 27-0, about to go into halftime. You just get lucky and somehow make it 27-7. And then it's basically game right there. Uh, CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott just seemed to not be on the same page in the first half. Uh, I think CD had a couple drops or one and a half drops maybe. Uh, but Dak was just off. Uh, his one really good completion that I noticed was, I believe, to Ferguson down the seam, where he still got almost clobbered, but it was still a pretty nice throw. But I same thing with Dolphins and the with the Dolphins and Tua. I'm seeing with Dak and the Cowboys. Uh, do they want to move off of them? And I keep seeing funny pages of like uh, Dolphins fans and Cowboys fans saying like, "All right, so who are we gonna trade to go get pick number one from Chicago?" Uh, I don't know how serious they are, but I see a little bit of it on Twitter. Uh, I think it's kind of funny. But Dallas, you got some stuff to look over. Uh, I don't know if McCarthy's your guy, but. He did get you to the playoffs. You had a very successful regular season, but those don't really matter in the in the dance. And if you can't get it done here, then I don't know. Do you really deserve another look? But uh, props to Lafleur. I know Mike, you mentioned 
probably before the trade deadline, even just talking about how good of a coach LaFleur is. I think I kind of shrugged you to the side a little bit just because I'm a little biased against Green Bay, but you kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, LaFleur is a phenomenal coach. He's great with his schemes. He knows how to get the most out of his players, i.e. A... And a, not a ragtag group of receivers, but a very young group of year one and year two receivers who weren't really taken seriously going into the season. And now they're kind of a really scary group if you look at them the right way. So Green Bay, if they continue to run the ball well, they may be able to give San Francisco some fits next week. But Dallas, you got to figure this out, man, because you've got some talent on your roster. And you if you let that just go to waste, your fans are going to be relentless. Yeah, uh, what a job by Matt LaFleur. What a stinker by the Cowboys. Um, just a game where you kind of didn't see coming, but knowing that the Packers kind of just own the Cowboys, uh, I guess it does kind of make sense. Um, Cowboys' first home loss since the opener of 2022 uh, against Tampa Bay. Jordan Love and Aaron Jones absolutely dominated them in this game. Jordan Love, three passing touchdowns. Aaron Jones, three rushing touchdowns. Aaron Jones, he seems to kind of just own the Cowboys. 488 yards and four career games against the Cowboys. He grew up a fan of Dallas, was a massive fan. His dad was a massive fan. And he said uh, whenever he plays Dallas, no matter what, it kind of just feels like a home game, which is um, kind of just embarrassing. The Cowboys, he just kind of bodied them there. Uh Packers receivers continue to just be phenomenal. Jaden Reed didn't have a big game, but Romeo Dobbs steps up 151 receiving yards. They had Christian Watson back. I saw some Packers fans on Twitter um, just with like a meme format of at the start of the year, you're concerned. You have no wide receiver one. And now at this point of the year, you have no wide receiver one. And you're kind of happy because on any given week, any one of these young receivers could show up and have a phenomenal game. Darnell Savage had a massive pick six that kind of just put this game away with 150 left before halftime. That was his first interception of the season. He didn't have one this regular season for the first time in his career. Jair Alexander was questionable at the end of the week, picks off Dak in his own red zone. Cowboys offensively were terrible in the first half. Uh, they were able to figure things out in the second half and at least score some touchdowns. But in the entire game, their defense was just absolutely terrible. They really, they had no answers for this Packers offense at all. Most points Cowboys have allowed in a postseason game in history. The previous high was 38. Uh, a lot of people are putting all the blame really kind on Dak Prescott, which, I mean, they were down 27 nothing at halftime. He should get a decent amount of the blame. But the defense was just – just wasn't there. Uh, Cowboys were the first team – to win at least 12 games in three consecutive playoff seasons without making a conference title game. I'm shocked kind of so far that no move for Mike McCarthy has been made yet. I think there will be one soon. Um, Packers have never lost in six trips to AT&T Stadium. Uh, facing the fifth best defense, uh, the Green Bay matched its Super Bowl winning team from 2010 for most points in a playoff game. So Jordan Love was phenomenal in the Cowboys defense and Dak Prescott just really didn't show up. Cowboys fans, Brad Allen cannot save you now. But moving on to the Lions and the Rams. The Lions have finally done it. They won their first playoff game since January 5th, 1992, breaking the longest playoff win drought. Uh, you said it earlier, Mike, the Dolphins have that longest drought now. Uh, for this game, the Lions did a great job of stopping the run game. Kyron Williams was a factor. He did end up getting hurt late, uh, but he was not a big factor in this game. This game, we knew that if the Lions were going to be able to stop the run, it's just going to be which team's going to be able to pass better and which team's going to be able to convert in the red zone, and the Lions were that team. Uh, Stafford and Goff both had amazing stats. In the first half, they were just straight dueling, rarely any incompletions, a lot of yards. They were both playing fantastic and uh, a monumental game for both of them, especially on the personal level. Um, Laporta plays in this game after being questionable all week. He got hurt in week 18 when the Lions were playing their starters. Uh, whether they should have done that or shouldn't have done that was up for debate at that point. Laporta ends up playing in this game and scoring a fourth and goal touchdown, uh, which was huge for the Lions. Uh, that being a stop would have completely changed this game and the Lions would have lost that game. So that was a huge catch from him. The Lions, speaking of the red zone, they were dominant in the red zone. The Rams struggled. That was truly the difference in this game. The Rams were having to settle for field goals. The Lions, especially in the first half, they start the first half with three straight uh, drives of 75 yards, 
for three touchdowns. Uh, they were dominant on offense in that first half. Um, the Lions' defense was pretty bad up until the red zone. In the red zone, they did what they had to do. They got the Stafford. They had deflections, uh, and they did what they had to do. All the the Rams' touchdowns were just long passes from outside the red zone. Uh, you had the one where Cam Sutton just got completely burnt, and then the other one where Vildor made a good play on the ball, uh, but Puka caught it. It was in a perfect spot from Stafford, uh, and they took that one to the house. Um, Amon Ra, 110 yards of dominance. He is truly a top-five receiver in this league. He proves it week in and week out. The Lions got him in the fourth round. They're still not paying him, and that's just an, um, one of many really, really good draft picks from Brad Holmes since he's been here. Um, the Lions doubled Aaron Donald for a lot of this game, uh, and they completely took him out of it for the most part. He wasn't able to wreak havoc like he usually does. They were sending two guys at him, forcing the other Rams D linemen to beat him like Byron Young, and they just weren't able to do it. This Lions offense, offensive line just has an ability to take your team out of it on the defensive end. And the Rams aren't a huge blitzing team, uh, but they were forced to have to send five a lot this game because they were not going to be able to get home with four. Um, and we'll see next week when the Lions play Tampa Bay, a huge blitzing team, how that works out. Uh, I think Tampa Bay's play style is actually very similar. We're going to get into this later, but very similar to the Vikings on both ends. Uh, and we saw what the Lions were able to do to those Vikings teams. But uh, like I said, Sutton, he got torched that one play. He was okay for the rest of the game. He wasn't phenomenal, but he's just not a cornerback one. Lions are going to have to address that in the offseason for sure, but we're still rolling without it. Uh, end of the game, the Lions needed a first down. They could have ran the ball a couple times. And maybe pass on third down and see what you're going to do there. Run the clock out a little bit more. But they put the ball in Jared Goff's fucking hands, and he delivered. He gets so much undeserved hate, and he has his entire career. And when you need him to go out there and make a play, especially in his time in the Lions tenure, he's been able to do that, and he was able to deliver a dot to Amon Ra, who ran a great route, a play that they run all the time, and it worked out. Lions got the first down, and they were able to take knees from there. Um, that was just a just a surreal moment. I I was talking about it with Mike after the game. I'd been watching football my whole life, just can never know like what time is enough for knees. I was like, I was like, all right, one more first down, one more, one more, and then Jared lines up and takes a knee, and it's like, oh my god, I, I can't believe we won the game. Um, I love that Tampa Bay matchup next week. Like I said. Uh, I truly believe the Lions are going to win that game. I think they're a better team. They get a second home game. Um, Brad Allen was not able to take that away from them this time. Uh, and I think they're going to win that game, book themselves a spot in the NFC Championship. But we'll talk about that on the next episode. Um, I said it last week uh, to wrap up when I was talking about the Lions. Uh, as big as this game is with Matt Stafford coming home and Jared Goff playing against his old team, the Lions just have bigger aspirations than just beating Stafford and winning a playoff game. This is a team that can go far in the playoffs. They know that, and it's just it's so much bigger than just this one game. Um, after the game, I will admit, I did get a little teary-eyed, but I did not cry. Um, I thought this whole run of the Lions being bad, I was like, they're going to win a playoff game, and I'm just going to ball my eyes out. Um, I think in a year like last year where they almost made the playoffs, I think if they would have gotten in last year and won in the first round, I think I would have just lost my mind then. But I think there's something about this team and I just truly believe that they're nowhere near done yet. And I'm not going to let that out until they get done what they got to get done. And that's when a Super Bowl. So I'm confident in this Lions team. Uh, they did what they needed to do. It was a phenomenal game. I think they have a better matchup next week than they did this week in the Bucks. And I just believe, man. I believe. Before I get into my spiel, Josh, if we see the Lions hoist the Lombardi in Vegas in roughly four weeks' time, Will we see the waterworks on on the pod? I don't know about on the pod, but on just... the pod, on the pod, <laughs> on the pod. I can't promise. I can guarantee I will be a wreck if they win the Super Bowl. I will be an <laughs> absolute wreck. Um, I didn't even like. I couldn't the only even. Reason... Get, I couldn't even get words out after this game. I was just, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, the <laughs> the whole time. Just such such a release. It's just such a monkey off the back for the Lions, and it's been that for so long. And I'm just, I'm happy they did it, man. The reason I ask is because I'm seeing this Lions team just be special all across the board. From top down, 
this Lions organization has been poverty for as long as I can remember because I'm only 21 years old. I've never seen a good Detroit Lions team or even a Detroit Lions organization in my entire lifetime. And I believe we are seeing the birth of a potential dynasty if they keep a good chunk of this core together, a good chunk of this coaching staff together, the the culture, the philosophies that they have in Detroit. This thing can be good for a very long time. And we saw that in this game specifically with all the storylines flying around. They, they hung in there. They got it done in front of the home fans. Both the Rams and the Lions, it was a shootout in the first half. Felt like it was going to be a 41-45 game at the end of it. It was going to be whoever had the ball last was going to win. But both defenses just made adjustments. The coaches, as smart as they are, they just – both coaches on both sides, McVay and Campbell, they made adjustments. The defenses just clamped down. 38 total points in the first half, nine total points in the second half. It was as wild of a switch-up of a game – that you could probably imagine. This was easily the most exciting game of wildcard weekend, in my opinion. Uh, the Lions, I've said it before, if they want to have success in the postseason, which they are right now, they will have to run the ball well, and they will have to rely on Jared Goff and play action and just getting the ball to his weapons. And he's done that. Props to him. We all know that this Lions defense isn't the most talented unit in the world, but they've got talent in some important places. You get guys like Aiden Hutchinson, if he makes a play at an opportunistic time. Maybe it's just Stafford tripping and falling down and him tagging him. But if he doesn't get back there, does, does Stafford get up and somehow get the ball away and it's not a sack and then it's a third and short instead of a third and 10? Who knows? But those types of plays from superstars can change the outcome of a game. And the Lions have a couple of those on defense and a couple of those on offense, and they're building something. And as much as I hate to say it, I kind of found myself rooting for them a little bit despite wanting them to just lose so bad because I want to see you suffer a little bit as much as I'm suffering right now as a Bears fan. But this Lions team, like I'm trying in the darkest parts of my soul, it's pretty dark down there, uh, to find something about this Lions team to hate. I think it's maybe Amon Ra just because of uh, how he carries himself on the 33rd team podcast with Equinemius St. Brown. But I think... Just that's the only negative thing I can find about this Lions team. They even have a former Bears running back, someone who runs his heart out every single play, who just doesn't want to go down on the first tackler. Monty, I'm definitely rooting for him this playoff run. He's one of the underrated hearts of this team. He really is. And he was a great leader in the Chicago Bears locker room as well. But on the Rams side, um, Puka, he showed up uh, his first ever playoff game. I was talking about this with a couple people I was watching the game with. Uh, this is obviously very, very far into the future, but what are the odds that that Jerry Rice uh, playoff receiving record gets broken? And given how young Puka is and how well he did in just obviously his first ever playoff game, do we think he has a chance to break it? I mean, how many guys in their first career playoff game of their rookie season put up over 100 and I don't even know how many he had. Like over he had like 185 or something. Like, 181 you know, and a touchdown on only nine. I'm not only, but on nine catches. I mean, I don't know what the rate is or what the projections are, but that's that's a pretty damn good stat line. So I mean, sure, that's way way far down the line. He needs like 20 more of those in order to eclipse uh, 2,000. But it's it's a crazy thing to think about because it's probably close to one of those untouchable records. But to backtrack a little bit, Lions they they have a really favorable matchup next week. Uh, Rams. You made me just look, probably all three of us actually, just look really foolish because we all said there's not going to be any competitive football being played in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had that backwards. It was really the Chargers who were really bad and the Rams who just just ascended. So I it was some good football this year, and I apologize to the Rams fans for being wrong about that. Yeah, I was wrong as well. I didn't expect much out of them, but you could see throughout the season they kept getting better and better. and. They had players stand out that we didn't expect them, and like Puka Nakua. Um, for the Lions, they finally did it. They had nine straight postseason losses, 32 years or whatever. It's finally over. The Detroit fans were very loud. Uh, by far the best playoff atmosphere of the weekend, forced multiple false starts. A uh, couple timeouts had to be used, which ended up being massive late everything. in the game. It was everything. Yep. Um, uh, it was like it was like we saw it in the Colts game, how big it could have been with the timeouts that CJ Shot had to call early in the second half. It didn't come. Uh, to hurt them in the end. We saw that with this though in Dallas. It came out to 
kill them late in the game. Um, Detroit, first time ever having two playoff games in a single season in franchise history. We'll see them next week in Detroit, and I expect them to be just as loud as they were this week, if not louder. I just saw ticket prices uh, by far most for next week. It was like $600. Next was 200 So it's going to be loud there. Uh, but for this game, Lions offense, we're able to get them the lead in this one. And their defense was able to get them the win in this one late in the game. Second postseason victory since 1957. It was a great game. Great QB battle. Golf looked pretty good all night. 22 for 27, 277 yards and a touchdown. I expected more from Jameer Gibbs in this one. I thought he would really be unleashed here in the playoffs. Uh, he still played well. Eight carries, 25 yards, had a touchdown. But it was David Montgomery that got the bulk again, and he played solid. Um, got him another touchdown on the ground, 57 yards on 14 carries. And Amon Ra continues to show why he's one of the best receivers. Big game, shows out seven catches for 110 yards. So good for him. And their defense, uh, they struggled in the entire field. But when it got to the red zone, they were able to hold the Rams to field goals uh, three different times, which won them the game. Um, Lions, four-minute drill. Uh, Amon Ra had the big play to get the first down right under the two-minute warning. Three straight plays in victory formation, which... I was with you. I thought they would need another first down. Um, I was wrong. And once I saw under 40 seconds, you know, the game's over. So it was electric there. Uh, for the Rams, Stafford played very good. 25 of 36, 267 yards, two touchdowns. He got injured in this game multiple different times. Got hit in the head pretty hard, cut his hand up. But it's Matt Stafford. He's one of the toughest, if not the toughest quarterback in the NFL. Played through it. Uh, got the ball to Puka Nakua, who, like you guys said, was phenomenal. Kyron Williams looked pretty good going uh, throughout this game until the concussion. Uh, 61 yards on 13 carries. But like I said, the Rams' biggest issue in this game was uh, the red zone offense just left way too many points on the board. Uh, three field goals in the red zone. And my play of the game, really, uh, the Amon Ra play obviously was massive, but Michael Badgley, the money badger, hitting that 54-yard field goal to give the Lions a seven-point lead in that game was was massive. It was the longest, tied for the longest field goals in Lions playoff history. Ultimately ended up winning them the game. So shout out, shout out to Money Badger. It's huge because the Lions don't really kick field goals at all. So mm -hmm. you're going to have a guy that hasn't kicked a field goal in a long time. It's can, it's good to see that he's making them in the playoffs. And, uh, and they, legend. Yeah. Yeah, Colts legend too. Yeah, and they like, showed <laughs> played for a lot of teams. They showed the stat right before the kick of his like percentages in the playoffs. So yeah, yeah. 15, he was at like 30%. So you go into the click. Oh, goes there and he, he nailed it. Clutch, man. Clutch. Um, I just wanted to give credit to a few guys I didn't talk about uh, in my little spiel there. Aiden Hutchinson, I think he had like nine or like 11 pressures this game, although he had the two cheap sacks. Uh, the one where Stafford fell, of course, and then there was one where Stafford was rolling out. I think he had like a two yard loss, but he got two sacks there. Had nine pressures. He was just all over the Rams. He was a massive factor in this game. Uh, David Montgomery, like uh, Zach said, he's just he's just one of the hearts and souls of this team. He goes out there. He's always going to be out there on that first drive, and the first drive is always going to run through David Montgomery. And he seems time and time again to go out there and get you five yards and six yards and five yards and six yards, and then a first down. And all of a sudden, he's the train. He's the motor that's running this train, and it's great to see. Uh, I already spoke on him on Rod. Jared Goff. Jared Goff is just, he will never, ever get the credit he deserves until he wins the big game. And I pray that we will see him win that big game so people can shut up about the no touchdowns in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Um, but I'm happy for him to get his revenge. Uh, ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, they were both solid today. Ben Johnson, great scheme in the first half, absolutely ran this offense down the field. Uh, Aaron Glenn made adjustments in the second half. He didn't let he, uh, those deep balls go. The Lions were better at tackling. Nobody was deep committing on uh, receivers like we saw with Bill Dorr early on, even though he had a chance to break that up. Um, Dan Campbell, just the whole leader of this team. I don't know if Dan Campbell can step foot anywhere in Detroit without getting recognized. He is just – he's when you think of the Lions, you think of Dan Campbell. And he, him and Brad Holmes and Sheila Ford-Hamp have just – been what has turned this team around since the Stafford trade since going 313 and one a couple years ago uh they have just completely turned this team around Ali McNeil coming back was big for them CJ Gardner Johnson coming back has been good 
he's starting to get his feet under him. He, I believe he was the second leading tackler this game. Anzalone, he doesn't get enough credit for really being the best linebacker on this team. Jack Campbell is still coming up. He, It's tough to be great in your first year as a linebacker. Not many are. Some are, but not many are. Um, He was great. And, yeah, I mean, that's basically all I got about this team. I think uh, I just really like that matchup next week. I'm ready to go. I wish that game was tomorrow. But um, we can move on here if nobody has anything else to say. That's I'm I'm tired of talking about this team. I'm sure we'll talk about them a lot <laughs> next week. <laughs> oh, we will. And a couple of days we will as well. Um, but next game here, Bills and Steelers. Bills were all over the Steelers team early 21-0. That first quarter was really the outlier here. After the first quarter, it was 17-17 in quarters two through four for the Steelers. They were in this game uh almost till the end here. They really were able to make adjustments and figure out what they had to do defensively to stop Josh Allen. Um, the Bills were able to run the ball. Uh, Tony Romo wouldn't shut up on the broadcast about saying that the Bills are able to run the ball, and that's why they could win the Super Bowl. I feel like he said that 85 times. He's right to an extent, but it was definitely, definitely correct in this game. They were able to run the ball on the Steelers. We said earlier when we and Mike were talking on the pod last week uh, how the Steelers are 17th in pass defense and 19th in rush defense, despite having so much talent and being looked at as one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, that shocked me completely. They were not able to stop the run this game. That was a problem for them. Josh Allen didn't throw a pick, which is always a recipe for success for him. Uh, the game was in Buffalo. The fans were rowdy, and they were throwing the snowballs on the field. Like when they were, when Pickens was trying to make that catch, I know they got uh, they got didn't they get something for that like a couple of years ago? Yeah, like they got like happened. an unsportsmanlike uh, conduct. Yeah, or, or something. something like that. Yeah, which I mean, yeah. kind of makes sense. You, it's an unfair advantage if you're getting pelted with a snowball in the middle of the catch, <laughs> but it didn't affect I disagree. On, that, on that one catch. Uh, but yeah, people are going to start just bringing their own snow into the stadium. <laughs> Ford field. You're going to see some uh, snowballs thrown down at, at Baker, but now um, the bills, uh, they now have a home rematch with Kansas city. Like you said, Pat Mahomes first ever road playoff game. It should be interesting. Like I said earlier, I think whoever dominates the trenches is going to win that game. I think the, KC pass defense has enough uh, to shut down the Bills passing offense. So it's going to be, can they hold James Cook to 50 yards on 15 carries or does he go out there and get 100 on 12 carries? That's going to be the difference in that game. And uh, I'll I'll spoil it early. I like KC going and getting the upside in Buffalo. Ooh, that's that's definitely a hot one. Uh, I, I go with I the history. For that I, go with, I go with the history. I don't know if I have a pick for that one yet, but... I will say uh, I tweeted this earlier. Uh, I think it was during the game, and I've told my roommate this a couple times. He's an avid Bills fan, so shout out to him. Uh, if this is the Josh Allen that we see the rest of the postseason, the Bills can definitely win the Super Bowl. Josh Allen, when he's smart with the football, when he's getting it to his good weapons, when the run game is benefiting them, sure, Tony Romo maybe was a little bit right in that, but James Cook, he had 80 yards on under 20 carries, which – Obviously, he's a very big factor in their offense, especially since they fired Dorsey. But if Josh Allen is smart with the football, he's just very – he takes his checkdowns, takes the smart passes, he's accurate. This team can go really far. And their defense has faced so many injuries. I think they lost another two guys on Sunday, yet they're able to continue to shut teams down at times, and their offense can can continue to go out on the field and just play smart football and put up points. They got out to an early lead. They didn't have to do too much. And then even Josh Allen's rushing touchdown, that was just freak of human nature, just insane. The difference between these two teams was who they had at quarterback. The Steelers, yeah, sure, they're missing TJ Watt. You can argue that, but they've still got some solid playmakers on defense. It's not like they were deprived of talent. It's who's operating the offense. Do you have a guy who's going to go out there and make the, the plays that you ask him to? who like for example like a game manager like Tua yeah he can do what you ask of him within structure but if the shit breaks down shit hits the fan do you have a Josh Allen who can go out there hurdle a 6-4 linebacker and get a first down and a third and nine or do you have a Tua or just for uh, conversation's sake a Mason Rudolph who is just gonna turn a third and 12 into a third and nine because he slides to make the field goal easier rather than moving the chains, getting you into the red zone, and getting you seven. 
And that's why quarterback is the most important position in all of sports. It's just, you need a top like 10 guy in the league in order to be a serious contender in the NFL. And I think that's part of why uh, the sport is so awesome because yes, it's a team sport. You have 11 guys on each side of the ball, but there is only one technically two, but there's one main guy that touches the ball every play and it's the quarterback and the center uh, respect to Jason Kelsey. He, re- he retired. Uh, we'll get to that later, but Josh Allen, he is easily an MVP candidate. Uh, he's been a phenomenal player uh, the last month or so, getting the Bills into a position to win the division and then winning the division and then winning in the wild card round, getting themselves a home game against Kansas City in the playoffs. This is going to be a huge divisional round weekend, and I'm very excited for it. Yeah, who would have believed you if when the Bills were 6-6, six and six, you'd be telling us that the Bills would get a home game against the Chiefs. Uh, they've gotten hot, five straight wins. Got this momentum continuing into the playoffs. I'm glad I never got off the wagon. I believed in them, and uh, they seem to have it going. Uh, we got robbed of an all-time snow game. It would have been really funny to see just them running in a LaShawn McCoy uh, Colts type of game where there's just like a foot of snow on the ground. But I guess uh, I am kind of glad that we got to see an actual football game played. Josh Allen, he showed some flashes. He had a great game. The 52-yard run was great. Uh, I hope to see that from Anthony Richardson a couple of times next season. That was the longest QB run, I think, in Bill's playoff history or franchise history from a quarterback. A lot of people were saying that he, like, faked a slide or whatever. They didn't hit him because they were worried about he's going to slide. I just don't believe that at all. I don't think it crossed Josh Allen's mind at all to slide on that play at all. I haven't. There's not many times where Josh Allen slides. Uh, we did see it later in the game when he did slide and got hit. I also I don't think that should have been a flag. We've seen recently with Justin Fields, especially never, never throw a flag ever again. I will advocate yeah. for that for the rest of my life. Just abolish roughing the passer or whatever the hell you want to call it. A late hit. Fuck it. Like that penalty just should never exist ever again. If you're not going to throw it for one guy, don't throw it for the other one. Yeah, I 100% agree because I think they Mahomes slid too and they didn't throw the flag. But for Josh Allen, they did throw the flag. It's just such an inconsistent rule where one unit will throw the flag and another doesn't. They have to find a way to figure it out. He was in midair it's, too. Like, what do you want him to do? Yeah, like, disappear no. in midair. Yeah, it's it's just embarrassing. The refs, um, they struggled this week with uh in this game they had a lot of flaws in this one especially. Um, I'm just frustrated with how inconsistent they've been. Buffalo though, they did deserve to win this game. Uh, they led twenty one nothing, scored on three straight possessions. Pittsburgh did to make it twenty four to seventeen. It was a game, but Steelers defense uh it struggled. I predicted they were going to struggle without TJ Watt, considering how the numbers have been significantly different without him. Uh, they really struggled to tackle in this one. We'll see that in the next game, too. Clear Shakir had a nice touchdown. Uh, Josh Allen finished 21-30, 203 rushing yards, 74 rushing yards, 203 passing yards. First quarterback in NFL playoff history to throw three or more touchdown passes while also rushing for 70 or more yards. Um, he played great. Uh, Mason Rudolph played actually pretty all right. Two touchdown passes, one interception, considering it was his first career playoff start. It's really their defense that let him down early, uh, and they really couldn't come back from it. Steelers now have five straight playoff losses, all under Mike Tomlin. Last playoff win was seven years ago, which just seems like a, such a long time for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. Um, Bills, they did pick up some big injuries like you hinted at, Zach. That'll be something to monitor couple linebackers. It'll be interesting to see. Rasul Douglas was out for this game. Uh, they're going to need to be healthy for this game against Mahomes in Kansas City. So I'm excited for that game. Uh, we just saw Mike Tomlin. I'm pretty sure they announced that he is coming back next year, which shouldn't even be a question. He should be back. He did a phenomenal job considering the circumstances in Pittsburgh. Yep. Moving on here to the final game, Eagles at Bucks. Uh Another game that was satisfying to watch uh, a villain figure or two go down. Um, Tampa just dominated Philly for most of this game. Um, Baker and the offense were just able to torch this bad secondary. The Eagles could not tackle at all. Uh, I'll get into that a little a little bit later with my studs and duds, but they were not able to tackle at all. Uh, and it led to Baker getting a three touchdown, zero pick game. I forget how many yards he had, but I know they showed after the game he was the first. Was it? Did he have over three hundred? Yeah, three thirty-seven. I think he was like the first uh, Bucks quarterback to have three hundred, three touchdowns, no picks mm-hmm. in the playoff game. 
So Brady never did that. He was able to do that in his first season. Uh, maybe he's better than Brady. Uh, the jury's <laughs> still out on that one. But uh, Tampa Bay was able to run the ball well here. When Tampa Bay can run the ball well, they're a dangerous team. Um, the Eagles' run defense is okay. Not great, uh, despite all the talent they have. Their pass defense is absolutely horrid. Uh, they're going to play another bad pass defense next week in the Lions. They're not going to be able to run the ball on them, though. Uh, they won't be able to enforce their will on the Eagle, on the Lions like they were able to do on the Eagles on Monday. Uh, Philly's play calling, just atrocious, man. I mean, how many screens are you going to throw to Kenneth Gainwell? How many times are you going to put Kenneth Gainwell in the game over DeAndre Swift, man? Just wild. Um, Sirianni and uh, Pencilhead have to be gone. You have to get those guys out of the out of Philly. They're horrible at their job. And Sirianni was 100% a coordinator merchant last season. Um, one of the worst season collapses of all time. Maybe, honestly, I can't think of a worse one. I mean, you go 10-1, and one, you beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, Sirianni's screaming in the tunnel on the way back, and it was just straight karma to his grill after that. Just absolutely fell off. We're probably going to see a coach take his team to the Super Bowl in the second season and then get fired after his third season. You just don't see that very often. Um, I want to give Tampa Bay their flowers. They played amazing. They deserve their flowers. Uh, but they don't know what they got coming next week. Yeah, I mean, Philly, like you said, uh, Super Bowl appearance last year, and then they started 10-1 and one this year. How do you, as Nick Sirianni, go to Howie Roseman and say, hey, man, I know we started 10-1 and one this year, and we just made the Super Bowl last year, but I think you should keep me. There's no way he can make a significant claim for his job, losing both coordinators, the team getting significantly worse, getting blown out in a, in a playoff game that – you honestly have the better roster. You just execution, tackling, especially offensive play calling, like you mentioned, Josh, just brutal, absolutely abysmal, piss poor at best. Philly needs an overhaul, especially in the coaching staff. And I mean, you mentioned it earlier. I think Belichick will probably interview with them if uh, they end up firing Sirianni, which they should. But they need to do something different because I think Hertz is still a top 10 quarterback in the league. I know you guys have definitely mentioned his decision-making at times is questionable and I agree, but I still think he's a very talented individual who can lead his team to the Super Bowl one day. He did it last year and he almost won it because they're a really good team and he's a really good player, but they were definitely missing AJ Brown. Uh, Devonta Smith couldn't do everything. He had eight catches for 148 yards. Just wasn't enough. It just seemed, like you said, so many screens to Kenneth Gainwell. Probably they were missing their number one target in A.J. Brown. But on the Tampa Bay side, they were able to move the ball well, both through the air and on the ground. Rashad White was solid once again. He's had a great second half of the year, both as a runner and receiver. Very uh, Alvin Kamara, like prime Alvin Kamara-esque in terms of the volume he gets in both sides of those. But Baker, how about the resurgence from him? I mean... Beginning of the year, he played well, kind of took a little bit of a nosedive in the beginning of the or in the middle to end of the season. And we were all saying, especially me, I think the Baker Magic's probably way, uh, uh, wearing off a little bit. But I mean, he kind of turned it back on and they won by 20 in a, in a wild card game. I mean, I don't know. Is Baker the future of the Tampa Bay Bucks? I don't know. But. I think I think he's definitely earned himself a contract extension next year. I think it'd be smart on Tampa side to say, uh, let's let's slow it down a little bit. We'll give you two to three years lower on the money side, but we would love to have you uh, next few years to see if you would fit into the like six, seven plus year plan. So Baker's definitely earned that given the expectations for this team coming into the season. But Philly, we have a lot of lot of work to do, especially in the coaching staff department. Yeah. Um, first off, happy retirement to Jason Kelsey. He's one of the greatest centers of all time. First ballot Hall of Famer. It'll be sad to see him go, but uh, you got to focus on – he's getting older, focus on your health. Um, NFC East had an all-time collapse in the playoffs. Uh, two embarrassing blowout losses – um, talking about the screens, I saw a bunch of Eagles fans just furious. Brian Johnson, they were making memes saying he broke a record for most screens called in a single season. So, you know, that no, was just funny. No, he didn't. No, we didn't. Yeah. That's Luke Getze. Brian Johnson versus Luke Getze <laughs> for most screens called would be a, would move mountains. But no AJ Brown due to the knee injury and the Buccaneers just dominated this game. Uh, we talked about it all year, how the Eagles didn't look the same. Even when they were 10 and one, they still didn't have like that juice. Something was off and we were right. 
10 and one to 11 and six, one and done in the playoffs, just an all time collapse. I hinted at it in the preview. They had them kicked a field goal. They got uh offsides penalty tush push from the one yard. And they didn't get it. So, uh, Everything that could have went wrong for the Eagles in this game pretty much went wrong. Offense looked abysmal. Defense maybe looked worse. Just could not tackle, which is one of the most embarrassing and most infuriating things possible for an NFL defense. David Moore, 44-yard touchdown, multiple broken tackles. And Trey Palmer had a 56-yard touchdown with multiple broken tackles. Uh, Their offense also poor. Uh, Jalen Hurts, after the game, said the reality is we have to be better. And it starts with me. So he's right. He has to be better. This offense has to be better. They need just to go in a new direction. The really main bright spot was Devontae Smith, eight catches, 148 yards. Julio Jones was playing very good, honestly. He had three catches for 22 yards, but sadly got ruled out with a concussion um, early in that game. I hope that's not the last time we see him. He's obviously a legend, all-time great. Uh, but for the Bucks, they've won six of their last seven. Baker Mayfield, 337 yards, three touchdowns. What a game by him. Um, Baker Mayfield revenge game on everybody. The media, the Panthers who had him on the practice squad defense last year. Uh, just couldn't be happier for him. And shout out their OC who's just done a phenomenal job. Dave Canales uh, from Seattle. He could, He's definitely on a lot of teams' radar to be a head coach next season. Uh, the Bucs should make it a priority to keep him. He has just moved this offense head over heels. But what a game by Baker Mayfield. Todd Bowles, too. He's done a phenomenal job this year. He looked like he was in a situation where you're going to tank this season, uh, probably be fired, and he turned around, won this team to division, a playoff game. Uh, phenomenal job by him. So just happy for Baker Mayfield and this Bucks team. Yep, moving on here to our final segment, studs and duds. Um, I will start for my first stud. Um, going with my boy Hutch, 23 pass rushing snaps, nine pressures, two sacks, 39.1 pressure percentage. He was all over Stafford. Uh, he was a big reason that they were able to fluster Stafford. And uh, I know Stafford got banged up in that game, but they were all over him. Aline was all over him. And that was a huge part of why the Lions were able to get stops in the second half. And for my dot, I have pencil head, mid thirties, BMI, Matt Patricia. Um, the Eagles defense is just absolutely horrid. Um, they can't. They couldn't do anything uh, once he took over for Sean Desai midseason. I can't think of a worse decision that could have been made uh, for the Eagles. Matt Patricia was the OC out of nowhere for the Pats last year. Was absolutely horrid. He was the DC out of nowhere for the Eagles this year. Was absolutely horrid. I do not understand how he keeps getting hired. He has to have some sort of blackmail on somebody in the league. Um, but the Eagles just blitzing at random times. Seems like he has no strategy out there ever. Uh, that's just the guy he is, and he is fooling these guys somehow. I don't understand it. Eagles missed 17 tackles in this game, most of any team so far in the playoffs. Uh, maybe still most after next week. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I got Hutch as my stud, and he who shall not be named as my dud. I'm going to go in reverse order. Uh, I'm going to go with my dud first, and it's going to be the Miami Dolphins in sub-zero weather. I believe they are, Tua especially is 0-5 in games played at zero degrees or below, if I'm not mistaken. And it cost him a playoff game. Uh, It kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, My stud of the week, maybe a little cringe, I don't know. But uh, Detroit Lions fans, you guys are the stud of the week. Uh, 32 years is a long time, may not be as long as 108, but I am a Cubs fan in case you didn't notice from that up there. I know a, a little thing about droughts and uh, they suck. So 32 years is a long time. And for those Lions fans who were alive for the previous uh, playoff win and now this one, you've earned it. Uh, it's been a long time coming. You deserve everything that's coming to you uh, in the future, at least the positive stuff anyways. Uh, yeah, those are my studs and duds. I do want to say to that point, uh, I don't know about you guys. I honestly, I know it's, I'm biased, but I cannot remember hearing a louder stadium on TV in my life than Ford Field on Sunday night. Honestly, it was just deafening, bro. You had to turn the TV down there, especially in that first half. I could probably think of one, but not off the top of my head. Yeah, um, I agree, but it is definitely in like top probably three or yeah, five. It's up there. It was up there. And those, like, those, there. like you said, those tickets, I mean, insane man it might be if if the lion if the packers win and the lions win and the lions somehow get a home nfc title game that game might be more expensive than the fucking super bowl bro 
Packers Lions <laughs> NFC title game would break me as a Bears. Oh my god, bro. the cheapest ticket <laughs> yeah. to get in that game would be like three grand, bro. Dude, I don't even know, but one week at a time. Yeah, um, that would move mountains. Um, my start of the week is young rookie QBs: Jordan Love, CJ Stroud. I say rookie. I know Jordan Love's not a rookie, but it's basically his rookie season, first year starter. Yeah, uh, going in this game one in five. Like I said earlier, terrible stats, and those two came out maybe had. The two best quarterback performances of the weekend. They were phenomenal. Honorable mention, Baker Mayfield. He was also great. And my dud of the week is just the NFC East at a whole. Going into the playoffs, you're maybe the second best division, one of the best divisions in football. You trash talk everybody all season, 12 and 5 and an 11 and 16. And both teams go out one and done and put up just embarrassing performances. So NFC East is my dud, and CJ Shaw and Jordan Love are my studs. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Engage A Podcast. As always, hit those links in our description for our social medias and our Spotify, and we'll be back in a couple days for next week's preview. We'll see everybody in the next one.